All right, everybody, we're back. I'm back here with Chad Muniz. Chad, you're back in the uh, bunker, Cincinnati. In the bunker. Things are still happening in the uh, o- Ohio. They are voiding the snow, but uh, happening. Hopefully, nice. the last snow of the season. Well, I don't know. We still have April, man. Which is cool because then win- the next winter is only like you know six months away. Yeah. So it's great. Anyways, um, hey, we're back for another episode of Bring It In Radio. We're going to talk about some commerce, culture, and uh, what we're reading, what's happening. Chad, I thought we'd go with first the GQ50. GQ this week came out with a list of, they're calling it the holy grail, holy grails of fashion. Going through the list, I myself have two pieces I bought throughout my lifetime, maybe three, I can't remember. How about you? Any of the 50 did you ha- do you have in your closet ever in your life? Uh, not even – maybe the jean jacket from Levi's. It's about as close as I get. <clears throat> Dude, I guess that's – yeah, I would say four. So, yeah, this, <laughs> this article, they're saying the 50 holy grails of modern menswear. Men's fashion is big and exciting now as it's ever been. These are the 50 best looks you have. And, uh, yeah, it's quite aggressive. I think you're spot on. The pieces, like the Gucci loafers, the jean jacket, um, I was trying to remember. They also have the Air Jordans on there, yeah. which is such an iconic shoe. I feel like every kid bought it. But I'm not, I feel like I bought it, but I can't remember if I actually bought it. But it's, like, been such a presence in my life that I feel like I've owned a pair of Air Jordans. I'm sure you did. I, I have not <laughs> ever owned. That sounded very Air condescending. Jordan. But it's like that shoe, everybody knows that shoe, that classic original red, white, and black uh, shoe. It was such, uh, you know, it was such an explosion, and it's still relevant today, which is, it's just mind-boggling. Yeah, the transfer, what he did and Nike did to transform the shoe sneaker industry is amazing with that. Um, Yeah, they're saying the Air Jordan 1, High Chicago, this is, this shoe's from 1985. I mean, it is like absolutely mind-boggling. Still delivers today. Um, yeah, the jean. Ja- we'll obviously put a link to this. Um, yeah, the jean jacket's pretty iconic. I think we've all had a classic, uh, you know, Levi jean jacket. I thought it was also interesting. Some of these pieces, I wouldn't say I own, but they've kind of influenced my style. Like I've actually been going through this uh, phase of um, kind of chore coats. You know, kind of vintage, yeah, old school French chore coats. Um, you know, which makes me feel good since I have a, you know, classic white collar job. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm like, doing something industrial. But um, I think that's what's interesting some about these pieces. They've influenced other pieces of fashion, even though you may not own these exact pieces. You know, you can see how they've seeped into what people are wearing. I think they're spot on. Uh, there's never been a better time in men's fashion. It's actually, if, if I was in my youth, was pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a great time to be uh into fashion and what's happening in the cutting edge of stuff i think uh you know for the bulk of america it was uh brooks brothers and that was the cutting edge and everybody looked the same and the fashion style was all directed towards women and now uh, yeah men and women are getting a lot more it's it's great it's actually See, on my you... watch list uh, go ahead I, I bought peacock i'm jumping ahead till the end segment but Peacock, oh my God, like, I got what the peacock hell is Peacock? To, to watch the Olympics, Nice. Uh, which was not a great viewing experience, uh, the Peacock <laughs> viewing for the Olympics coverage. But since we had it, we're watching the uh, latest episode of Project Runway. Oh, yeah, wow. Still I'm holds actually... up. It's great. And uh, there's a lot of great fashion out there. 
I think uh, I've always been blown away by Project Runway, how these, you know, these people take cloth and, you know, sew it into stuff. And yeah, I find it absolutely mesmerizing. Um, They're super talented. That's cool that that show still exists. I had no idea it was on the Peacock. Where is the Peacock? Is it just out there? Is it in the cloud, so to speak? Out there in the cloud, the metaverse. Um, Why do you think it's like, why do you think men's fashion is better now? Or is that just because people are taking it more seriously? Is it the internet? We're just exposed to more stuff. Is there better quality? A little like... bit of everything. I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we've talked about this in other episodes. Marketing is key, and, and men have just as much dispendable income as women. And uh, I think it's interesting to stand out, to have your individual style. Uh, Do you think women are actually think... hoping men dress better, too? Like, is that part of it as well? I, I definitely think that's the case. Um. Well, that's cool. Yeah, we'll put that out there. I think it was interesting. Uh, yeah, some of these pieces are very interesting. You could see, like, if you had a certain career, how you could wear this. You could probably wear all 50 of these pieces, probably if you played for the uh, NBA or for the Detroit Pistons. But what's interesting is um, how, like I said, other pieces have kind of seeped in. I remember that there's that great uh, line from Devil's Wear Prada, and, you know, the character's kind of mocking the head designer, and she kind of walks it through, like, you know, you're making fun of this, but this decision on this belt is going to impact, you know, clothes you're going to see down the line in five or six years. And I think what GQ's trying to do here is really say, yeah, this may be at the forefront, but this stuff is really influencing what we're going to be wearing for the next few years. I think that's the key to almost all the kind of fashion design and commerce of, you know, the stuff that's pushing out to the edge, the stuff that's the most uh, advanced pieces of that fall out and come to you know, the everyday life or the ready to wear style. It's not just what you see on the runway. It's taking pieces of that that you can adopt to your own style. Love it. Good advice. You should have a fashion blog. You probably do under uh, a pseudonym <laughs> that we don't know about. All right, let's go to our next topic. Post-industrial parks. If anybody can read this, I will take them to a post-industrial park. Um Listen, I grew up in the industrial Midwest. I actually, uh, on my gallery wall here, I actually have a painting of like factories. Like I'm actually kind of like uh, love factories, love industry, you know, love uh, big, you know, public works. But this idea of uh, post-industrial parks, obviously with the High Line in New York, it's kind of there's been an explosion. You're in this space, you're a designer, you're building the world of the future. What are your thoughts on this? All great areas start with public space. It's the, the, the ground, anything that is great in the built environment starts with great public space and uh, reclaiming areas to create more good public space helps any neighborhood become a great community. So it's amazing. It's done. Um, uh, one of the articles that, that you'll post that we read through, I, I disagree with a little bit of, <clears throat> I think everyone deserves great public space, you know, that there shouldn't be. Uh, anything wrong with overspending money to create great civic and public space. Yeah. Recapturing areas for green space is essential to any great community, be it an urban area or rural areas <clears throat> of having public space out there available. Yeah. And this article, the, we'll, go ahead. No, go, go. no, in the article we're referencing, it's, uh, we'll put it up. It's part of the Bloomberg City Lab. Um, they go through a report parks for profit and the writer of the of the part of the report is quite critical saying that you know these private essentially private parks that are you know paid for by individuals um really 
is doing a disservice. Uh, they're creating a lot of attention and, you know, it would be better served if there was more of a public park as opposed to a private park. Um, I don't know. It's an in interesting debate. I mean, I think you probably have to have somebody come in there and, you know, put this together. I mean, if, if the city's not going to do it, if the public works can't do it, you know, why can't we have private folks come in here and, you know, prop up a park? Yeah, as long as it's open to anyone, which is the idea of great civic and public space, uh, I don't care who pays for it. It's it's important to be part of a community. And it's important that people feel that they deserve the best of that. Um, you know, one of my previous jobs was doing urban redevelopment in the urban core of Cincinnati. And we redid a park right smack in the middle of a uh, the urban core called Washington Park. And I remember at the beginning when we were talking about doing it, there were members of the community who literally felt they didn't deserve something that nice. You know, that's wow. the nice parks they get yeah. done in the suburbs. We don't deserve to spend this money. And we're like, no, you, everyone deserves great public space and built with the greatest and nicest materials. So I, I think it's important and it's um, probably the best way to revitalize a city is to take those old areas and put them back to use. I mean, we're never going to take, old industrial areas and convert them all back to old industrial use. And things are just much more efficient in terms of how things sprawl out and lay out for manufacturing today. They're not gonna build something where they manufacture over 10 stories instead of one large single floor, but to yeah. take those areas and reclaim them uh, for great urban use is important. It does seem that there is, I mean, I know you're, you're much more in the space, but just from the outside looking in, it does seem any kind of development now almost from the start, there's like, what's the green component here? Not, I'm not talking about environmental stuff, but I'm saying like, what's the park yeah. space? What are the trees? What's the indoor outdoor options for the, the users of this building? Um, that seems to be at the forefront. Like, I don't think yeah, you could you, build anything without, you know, where are the trees going to go? You literally need to start of where that public space, once you leave the road and hit the curb, what's the sidewalk look like? You got to start from that outside and build in. If not, just that internal built environment doesn't matter unless you get good outside public space. It's pretty wild where I am in uh, Old Town, Alexandria. They've actually been reclaiming uh, more and more of the waterfront along the river. And for a long time, it was actually very industrial. There were warehouses, even 10 years ago, in right on the river. And they were still shipping in commerce. And it's pretty wild. They've you know, transfixed it. They've kept some of the piers and some of the uh, you know industrial, post-industrial kind of activities, but they've turned them into parks. And lo and behold, people like it. I mean, there's like, yeah. they just show up. There's just something about uh, being close to water, being in nature, even if you are in like a major urban core, just that connection to nature, it seems to make the world a difference. Reclaiming waterfronts is as hard as reclaiming old industrial sites in urban cities. Uh, almost all cities had their industrial and commerce on the water because that was you know two reasons they needed the water to help run the function but it was also the main shipping that's how they got commerce out of the cities and uh here in cincinnati with our riverfront or in cleveland and ohio at the the lake uh you know down to you uh on the potomac it's was cut off from the rest of the city it was yeah. where infrastructure just got cut off that's where everything was to be able to reclaim that and have that flow back into the core of the city is so important but it is hard to do because usually they're just completely cut off from the rest of the function of the of the neighborhood i think i just understood and maybe you can talk about this like yeah thinking about like cleveland detroit cincinnati all water all ports like looking at them now you're like how is it even possible that this much industry is on the river whereas we go to chicago 
they have an amazing waterfront, but they have a different infrastructure. Chicago, I believe, because they went with the train, yeah. they went could give the up the waterfront. They wouldn't, but they, they could give up the waterfront easier 10, 20, like 50 years ago, whereas the, uh, the cities we're talking about were still committed to the waterfront. That was like their commercial engine. You nailed it. That's exactly what happened. That's how, how Love Chicago it. really surpassed Cincinnati, Cleveland, those other cities that were, were betting on the water and uh, the steamboats to keep things moving along. And they, they bet on rail. So what is the, uh, yeah, where, what is the future for this? I mean, do, are you seeing more private individuals come forth and say, hey, I'd like to build a park? Uh, or are you seeing cities reach out to folks? What's the future of this? I, I think you're going to see more and more private uh, people invest in it. I think uh, you know, we, we don't need to get into the entire discussion of the, the enormous wealth in this country and in this world. Uh, but folks are constantly looking of ways to deploy their wealth and creating urban areas is, is a great way to do it. I think you're going to start seeing more and more incentives for people to get tax credits, tax incentives to start building public space. And from the federal level or even state and local or a combination? I, I think for... a combination of all three of state, local and federal level to try to get those things done. And it gets back to you got to still do it the right way. It is very expensive to create great urban areas urban park and civic spaces who's doing uh, a good job like, i mean like a second or third tier city or you know where you see some interesting stuff happening that we should all pay attention to well i i'll, I'll plug cincinnati i think cincinnati has done an amazing job um and virtually that was, a good, that, that was such a softball it oh laid God. it up for me all the, but no uh, seriously cincinnati is yeah talk about what you're doing in cincinnati and then maybe uh talk about another city you've been kind of monitoring so Cincinnati uh, really started with the private side of that with this uh, not-for-profit 3CDC, which is funded by the great corporate citizens uh, in Cincinnati. So Proctor, Macy's, Kroger, Fifth Third, Western Southern, uh, all uh, put up their money to support urban redevelopment. And it was almost completely privately done. It's a private not-for-profit. And their whole goal and their their return on their investment was a better area, which in turn gets them more employees that want to come and live and work in the city. So uh, I think they're really a model of how to do it and how the private sector can step up and fund these things with not looking strictly for a dollar for dollar monetary return on their investment, but the return is what it means overall to the company. <clears throat> but as we talked to them, yeah, the last time we chatted, just like the return or just the quality of life issues, you know, like being able to live in a more walkable city, um, I don't know. There's something about it. Like one of my f uh, favorite activities is to get out of the house and, you know, do a little walk about three, four miles around my little neighborhood. And it's great. You discover different things. You can kind of see what's happening and it just makes the city more accessible. But, you know, you want to be able to be able to walk in a s s place that's safe, you know, where you're not you right. know, battling cars and buses and trucks. So that kind of combination of shared space, super important. Agreed. And you mentioned the High Line, but New York City really, uh, for as large of a city as, has been uh, a, such a dramatic change in terms of focusing on urban parks. I mean, they started off originally with Central Park, but then, you know, over the last century, I think they got away from it and then coming back to it in the last probably 20 years of creating urban parks and then also taking advantage of their waterfront there, which was really cut off from development. Yeah, I mean, I feel uh, very fortunate to live in, you know, D.C. I mean, obviously, you know, it's a very unique city in the sense it's, you know, capped in terms of space. And, you know, there may be sprawl issues in the suburbs, but just having all that green walking space and, um, 
yeah, just making a priority, accessing the riverfront, really interesting. I don't know if you had a chance to read about this, these two guys in LA, but they walked 50 miles in Los Angeles and they're, you know, they're saying, hey man, LA is a walkable city, which is such a crazy concept that it deserves an article <laughs> in, the, uh, in the LA Times, but um, there's something valuable about getting out, you know, walking around. It is, and I know you want to talk about transformation of office, but it all really works together in terms of what the new office environment is going to be and what everyone's looking for in terms of their lifestyle. Getting out into the world is important. I think we've all realized that from being cooped up with COVID. And as we were working from home and working remotely, multiple times a day, I'd just go out and walk around the block. I would never do that sitting in my office building, go out in the middle of the day and take a walk about. Well, yeah, we've had that, uh, you know, uh, we'll do a link to it, but Florence Williams uh, was kind enough to speak to the Brigadoon crew a few weeks ago, or a few months ago. And, you know, she wrote a book about, you know, creativity and just being in nature and even talking about like what they do. They have this idea in Japan of uh, forest baths and, you know, there's uh, doctors that are you know prescribing, listen, get out in nature, go for a walk, be around trees, be around water, be around birds and uh, just a positive impact it has on humans. So that's a good transition to our next topic. You're going to have to defend office spaces and why they are so horrible. Why does nobody want to go back to the office? <laughs> Can you defend it? I'll say the stat we have here is uh, this is from a year ago, but Accenture found that 83% of workers surveyed preferred a hybrid model. You know, they want to have some kind of hybrid, you know, situation work remotely. Um, hundred percent of these workers don't want to work on Friday, which is interesting. So we're really coming down to a four day work week, but why is there such reluctance or is that, is that being overplayed? I don't know. Is the, is the office space dead or is it alive or is it going to just an opportunity to kind of pivot and change? I think it's going to pivot and change. I think the bigger change is how companies manage their people than what the physical office space is. I think what you're noticing and what we're finding out is what we've talked about for the whole first part of this episode here is people want to be able to get out, to move around, to be in nature. Uh, it was almost like when we were in school and, it would be a nice day. It'd be pretty exciting. The teacher said, let's go out in the front lawn and have our class today. That was awesome. We still love the best. Yeah. Uh, but you, you got outside of those four walls of the classroom. So I think what you're going to see is um, the way you manage people and you get your work done change. And it doesn't have to be sitting in an office um, and collaborating that way. I, I don't know that it's going to completely go to remote, but having that flexibility to meet off-site, meet a coffee shop, meet in the park, go to the office when you need to do work. Um, it's amazing. And then the whole part of just gaining back more time in your life, getting that separation of, of work and your life is important. Figuring out how to do that of when you're in the office and not. I actually found myself, I think the majority of people, and there's some studies, you end up spending more time working and you yeah. don't realize it when you're not just sitting in the office. You're checking stuff in the evening. You're checking stuff when you first get up, but you're not so rigid of set down in that office space or in your cubicle and pounding things out. Well, in some ways, there's so many uh, distractions and temptations and, you know, there's different people and, you know, they've got different priorities and it's all, yeah, sometimes the office space is not the best place to do a deep dive or deep thought work and um, different formats or different situations commerce and business can take place in different places. As you talk about your like, coffee, even, you know, uh, this idea of like, you know, walking meetings, I think you're going to see more of that, right? The ability to get out and do a walk and talk. Um, 
But I, is who's leading this? Is it, you know, I don't want to like castigate our younger viewers or is this a top down thing? Is it coming from the bottom up? Yeah, is this it's a natural progress? It is bottom up. Bottom up, huh? It is bottom up. And, uh, and you got to pay attention to that because that's, that's the employees that you want to get. That's the employees you want to keep uh, and grow. And it's coming from the bottom up. It's going to be something more and more where they're just going to demand that. Yeah. I'm thinking too, like, everybody's talking about the end of the five day work week, but I don't like, I think you might see like a 14 day work week, right? Where you just jam in, yep. go hard for two weeks and, you know, take three or four days off or a week, you know, why does it have to be a five day work week? Like, why can't you work every day? You know, it, 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 it's I, interesting. I You're going to see that blurred more and more. I mean, I think Netflix is the one that was kind of revolutionary in terms of how big they were and did it where they got rid of vacations. You know, you, you can take vacation whenever you want. It's just, you have an assignment. This is your job responsibilities. And as long as you're keeping up and keeping doing a good job, you can be in the office or you can be on the beach. You can work remote. You can work at home. It's however you see fit to get your work done. And I think you're going to see more and more of that. So if you need to unplug and relax for a couple of days, and then you go hard for 10 days straight, you're still getting yeah. what needs to be done. Well, it is, and it does seem, I mean, obviously the office space was set up around factories, kind of like the five day work week, uh, you know, church on Sunday. So, and that's all changed. Like we're clearly in a post-industrial, not only for parks, but also post-industrial <laughs> post office space. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and I'm, what's interesting, I think about is you have the workspace, but how that flows in the kind of social stuff, you know, kids sporting events, concerts, professional sports, um, you know, I mean, the NFL used to be only on Sunday. Now you can catch games, you know, four days a week. And I'm sure there's, they would love to go <laughs> five or six days a week. Um, so I don't know. It's just all becoming blended. You know, I mean, that's kind of where we are. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think it's going to continue to change. And I think it'll change drastically that, you know, quickly technology is pushing things further and further and more and more every, every, year more and more people are comfortable using that technology to accomplish things yeah yeah i mean i think the sprint thing is going to be super interesting you know especially if somebody doesn't have children um the ability to kind of really hunker in focus on stuff um and just working remote like hey i want to work in you know nashville for three days go really hard come back and see the family i don't know maybe that's going to be the next evolution i'm sure there's some entrepreneur out there who's creating some kind of business model where you know, it's not, it's a better hotel, it's a better Airbnb experience, but you have like office space and other activities. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it is, uh, at the end of the day, you're only as good as your employees. I mean, you need good employees to work for you. And so it's going to be driven to keep those employees happy. And it's just, it's not a reality anymore where you start with the company and end there 40 years later. So you're going to constantly go around to feel what is the best environment for you to have fun, work, be appreciated, and be relaxed. Yeah. I'm thinking about uh, that great movie, You, Me, and Dupree with Owen Wilson. And uh, I don't know if you recall that movie, but there's a great scene where he asks about vacation policy, you know, namely Arbor Day. Do you get Arbor Day off? And it's kind of a joke, but that is kind of where we are, too. Like, what is, like, um, the health and wellness policy? What is the lifestyle? I don't know. What, what is the right term? Like, what is the lifestyle policy? Um What's the buzzy phrase? Are people? What does Netflix say? Like, is there a buzzy phrase around this kind of? I don't, I don't know. Is it lifestyle policy? I'm sure there's going to be a forthcoming book about you know, yeah, managing for lifestyle or something like that. 
Sounds like your next uh, book you need to write. That does sound good. Like it does. Uh, yeah, there's something there. There's something because uh, it's not just vacation. It's not just you know. And it, also, this idea of kind of lifelong learning. You know, if you want to be an employee for ten years, what other skills are going to help you learn? What other opportunities are you going to allow me to get out and go back to school? Possibly. I don't know. We'll leave that for the next episode. Should we go to our next topic? Sounds great. Endurance, the ship, Shackleton ship discovered. What do you think? You excited? I mean, I was watching Bill Maher last night. He was kind of making fun of it. And he's like, oh, it sank in the Arctic, Antarctic. And you found it in the Arctic. Uh, how hard was that? So he was, but I think it's pretty amazing. What do you think? Uh, I didn't, wasn't even aware of it until you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit more, yeah, I'm probably a bit more obsessed with the North. Uh, just, I love ice. I was always a bat, you know, Jack London, you know, Call of the Wild. I don't know. Yeah. There's something uh, amazing about taking a wooden ship to the top of the world surrounded by ice. Um, but I don't know. You're not, you know the story, obviously. I know you don't the find story. It that, you don't find it that compelling. So were they, have they yeah. been looking for it? Just yeah, yeah. Just stumble been, upon it? No, they've been looking for it. It's quite far down. It's not as deep as uh, Titanic, but it's quite far down. Okay, so not an explorer. Yeah, nothing, no, nothing. Endurance, not impressed. So you're in the Bill Maher camp. I love it. Okay. I am in the, in the Bill Maher camp. You're like, wow, they found, they found a sunken ship in the ocean. Color me surprised. A lot of them out there. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, well, I budgeted 20 minutes for this section, so now that uh -huh. we've uh, blown that out, we've got to stretch. Or we can go to our favorite subject, unless you got something else you want to bring up. That's good. Go on. What we're reading and writing, reading and watching, watching. and writing. Um, you've kind of already teased it out. You want to go first? Uh, I'll go first on a couple of things. Probably a lot. A of couple things. things. Oh my gosh. A lot of things. No wonder you spent through you endurance. No, You're like no interest in. This is why you. Uh, this is why you spent through endurance. You're like uh, I'm going to talk for 20 minutes about some rare minutes. pop culture. All right. Perfect. <laughs> Buckle in, folks. It's about to get boring. I mean, exciting. Well, uh, I'm sure you were, un un unlike I, just like I was unaware of your sinking ship. The world's sinking ship. This is a, uh, okay. <laughs> Jesus. I'm going to cancel that membership to the Explorers Club for you. The Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer dropped this week. Okay. No idea. Exactly. No idea. <laughs> totally missed it. It's very exciting news. Uh, Disney Plus limited series Obi Wan Kenobi, taking place in between uh, Episode Three and Episode Four. You get to find out what Obi Wan was doing all those years in the desert, Tatooine. Who was? Uh, Who is Obi Wan Kenobi in this episodic Disney Plus TV show? Uh, Ewan McGregor. So bring him back. Who played him in the, the first three episodes? The train uh, spotter guy. One, two, right. three. Train spotting. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, playing him. Uh, very excited. So excited. I listened to uh, almost a two-hour podcast on the Ringerverse, the House of R, just talking about a one-minute trailer that dropped. So uh, it's big news in Star Wars nerd uh, fandom out there. That in uh, I think March twenty or May twenty-fifth is when Obi-Wan Kenobi starts. Yeah, May twenty-fifth. I'm looking at it now. Uh, John Williams, theme music composer. Um, wow. Sounds amazing. Can't Big wait news. to can't wait to hear more about it. So I'm I'm just uh, watching a trailer on repeat. 
this week. That was my big news. Wow. Okay. Comic book drop this week also. <laughs> Mentioned some comic books last week. This just one my one daughter's comic- excited about. Just Spider one comic Gwen. book? Okay. Gwen. I think I grabbed it for my daughter. Issue oh. one. Nice. Brand new Pink? series. Pink spider action. So Spider Gwen in the Spider-Verse. Is that, Gwen Ste- is that Gwen Stefani? It is not. Okay. Uh, so my daughter's pretty excited. It starts with issue one, so she can actually start a comic book collection from the first drop. That's amazing. She goes to collect that. Uh, and uh, another <clears throat> podcast that's been great and finally back on track. My favorite podcast besides this, The Rewatchables. <laughs> the Rewatchables? Okay. You're down. <laughs> you're like... A Ringer fanboy. I am a Ringer fanboy for, for a couple of things. Uh, the Rewatchables had a terrible February. I think they called it Fucked Up Family February. Okay. So they did a bunch of movies I could care less about, but they're back this month with uh, the original Batman. From Tim Burton. So we're going to extend uh, horrible Fucked Up February <laughs> yes, into March. One more. Um. <laughs> I've watched, so, like, yeah, you've recommended a few of those. You're not interested in. I've listened to, uh, I mean, obviously I'm a huge Heat fan, so, you know, I struggled through that. Um, yeah, Ice Storm, Kramer versus Kramer, Parenthood. My gosh, man. Ordinary people. February was Cas- rough. Casino, that sounds good for uh, January. Um, oh, Miracle. Maybe I'll check that out. I don't know. I, it's just, you know, my feeling about Bill Simmons, but. Anyways, I'm glad you're uh, keeping the Ringer <laughs> Empire going. Who, where, who owns them now? Are they part of Spotify? They're Spotify. They, yeah. They're part of the Joe Rogan Empire as well. Or? Yes. Have you noticed the difference from them going to Spotify from being independent? I haven't noticed a difference in their content. You know what is odd, and uh, I'd be fine with taking some advertising uh, in this podcast, bring our production value up. Yeah. But they break a lot of times on the Spotify podcast, they'll break for a commercial and the commercial won't run. They'll be like, oh, we'll take uh, a yeah. break. We'll, we'll come right back after this. I've seen and that then, on pods. Like, what's the story behind that? They didn't fill the space or? I don't know. It seems so bizarre. Do you, do you have a premium subscription for Spotify? I don't. Um, so I listen to a lot of pods on uh, the Google Pod Player, and that happens sometimes. Or some like some don't have ads. I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe they're prepping for that, or for different markets. Or it would seem to me they would fill up those spaces. I, the I worst are the um, the ads where uh, I don't know. They kind of sneak in there and they start reading or whatever. But I guess it's part of the necessary uh, evil of advertising. That's why we're so yeah. staunch capitalists. We don't take advertising <laughs> on this program. But I guess I, we, I could, to, we could. I listen to Conan O'Brien's. Needs a Friend podcast, which actually yeah. is actually a good podcast. And uh, his staff makes fun of him because – so he reads all of his ads, does right. this little shtick during his ads. But he keeps plugging uh, products that they don't pay for their ads anymore. He's like, <laughs> they're, they're not our advertisers. He's like, oh, I love this bit that's gotta I got be, for this. <laughs> that's got to be a shtick, dude. <laughs> <clears throat> the retention on those must be uh, pretty high, obviously, when the person reads it because you can't, yeah. you know, you don't tell the difference. Um, all right. What do you? That was, so what I'm into 
is uh well no you're educating me man this is great i uh you know i'm gonna watch rewatchables the casino which is cool so uh one of my one of the things i'm a fanboy of is monocle magazine they're actually celebrating 15 years which is pretty hard it just seems amazing i don't know like i actually thought they were on longer but um so they do 10 issues a year they also do retail they have these like fancy coffee shops they do radio you know the whole thing is just absolutely fantastic Really enjoy it. And then uh, a few times a year, they put out these like supplemental magazines. Um, these are just dedicated to entrepreneurs. Very high quality, um, you know, 100 ways to like improve your business. And uh, they're great. They're little fun, little magazines. They're really well organized, really well curated. And the little vignettes, little profiles of entrepreneurs around the world doing cool stuff. And also high quality Omega advertising. So yeah. Check out Monocle celebrating 15 years. But, yeah, you know, they, they have a 24-hour radio station. They've got yeah. five or six shows they do every day. Um, one of my favorite pods that I listen to is called The Globalist, which is a good rundown of news around the world. And, um, yeah, Monocle. Check it out. Entrepreneurs. I actually – here's my hot take on Monocle. I think it is what George Magazine became. Dude, I miss George so much, man. Um, so you're saying there's a – you think George – Influence Monocle. Yes. I think it's the modern day George magazine. It's a 2022. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Because it's actually, you know, Berlay, the editor, has a, he spent time, in a, like, he's a war journalist. And uh, yeah, they actually cover diplomacy really well. Yeah. They interview a lot of ambassadors and diplomats. And uh, they also have a whole section on military, which is kind of cool. Like stuff that's being bought and, um, you know, toys to uh, keep us safe in the West. Um, so yeah, no, they're doing some pretty cool stuff and, you know, uh, anybody who can spend time in Switzerland and Tokyo in the same week is somebody we probably should be friends with. What do, what so, do yeah, you listen to? I need some new music. What do you got? You're listening to. Um, I don't know, man. You know, I, I get some stuff. This sounds completely ridiculous, but, uh, so Pete Tong, who's a DJ <laughs> out of the UK. If you listen to, uh, radio one, he does a weekly show. And I just like put that in the background and got some good stuff. The song of the week is uh, what did I screenshot you guys? Easy. Yeah, you, you dropped a great uh, hip hop artist. Was, what is this? Uh, what is this cat's name? Do you have it in front of you? I don't know. I can yeah. pull it up, but um, we'll do a link to it. But no, the Pete Tong show is like super interesting. You know, it's a little bit of electronic dance music. Um, but what's cool is you get, if you download the BBC sounds app, you get all the BBC radio stations and their pods. It's a great, it's a great app, and um, it's commercial free. And I don't know, it's kind of the you know the Brits, yeah, it's a little more European, but you get some good kind of exposure to some kind of cool songs like this guy. And um, I don't know, I would check out the BBC Sounds app. It's a great tool, and you know, you get your British on. Sounds great. BBC is an interesting brand. I mean, I think it's probably one of the more powerful media brands in the world. I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't know. They've got a different take, obviously. I don't know. The quality's high, and they've been doing it, I feel, for such a long time that the um, the documentaries, I don't know. I've been watching so much. I don't know. I mean, I've been spending more. My mind space has been more in London than it has been anywhere else. So that's why I don't know about Obi-Wan Kenobi and all this yeah. crazy stuff. Probably gonna lose he my a US British accent. Probably, yeah, he's Scottish, man, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I know that. Um, I'm probably going to lose my U.S. passport, but that's for another story. <clears throat> All right. All right, Chad. Thanks for uh, thanks, coming on. We'll see you uh, in two weeks. It goes by so fast. That's amazing. Are you ready to do this weekly or you like the two-week pattern? Two-week path. Yeah. Let's we discover more things that I can amaze <laughs> you with. <laughs> You're always amazing, which is great. All right, everybody. We'll be back in two weeks. That'll be, uh, what, March, uh, I don't even know, 12, 1926, something like that, which is pretty crazy. I gave you a shout-out to my wife for her birthday. Too. When's her birthday? Monday. The big five. So is it really? Fantastic. Should we uh, – are you going to reel her name or do you want to have a nickname for her? Or? Michelle Lightfoot. I'll throw it all out there. We'll see if anyone watches and reaches out to her. Michelle Where Lightfoot. Can they, can they Venmo uh, gifts to her or cash or <laughs> Bitcoin or send her Satoshis? Or? Nah, she's old school. She wants uh, snail mail probably. She wants some mail? Yeah. Big 5-0, man. That's serious. How is she uh, handling the 5-0? Is she cool with well. her? That's why I wanted to throw it out there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Michelle, it's not that bad. It's great. <laughs> but it is a bit, it's a serious number. It's pretty funny. But it's not that bad. Got another she's, still, year. she's still in the game, so it's good. Yeah. You have another year? Nine months. Yeah. All right, cool. We'll have to think about what gift I can inflict on you to uh, ruin <laughs> your life. All right, everybody. Chad, right. good to see you, man. 